Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central with Justin Matcham. We also have four other team-focused NBA podcasts, including Knock a Few Buck, Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, and Blazing the Path. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, too, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. Back in here with me today, Dan Galinsky, Amadou So. What's up, guys? How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Back for another podcast. Just, just loving man. Well, we got a lot to talk about today. We got a lot to get into. We'll start with the, I guess, series that this Cav, that the Cavs have put out. This docu series, the Road Back. Uh, episode one just released. We're recording this here at about seven forty. That went up at seven o'clock tonight. When you're listening to this, it'll be up. Episode one will be. It was about fourteen minutes. Just kind of a recap of part of this off season. This episode in particular just kind of talked about you know the the end of the season, like the, the end of during the shutdown, kind of, and then talking about some of the the individual workouts and the team's social justice movement. Uh, moving forward, it'll continue to look like be just kind of leading up to where we are, and then it's looking like it'll continue through the 2021 season. So I'm, I'm glad they're doing this. I'm glad they're giving us something. Did you guys have any big takeaways from it? Um, I just thought it was a great pilot episode. You know, they didn't really give us a whole, whole lot. But um, personally, just the energy that I saw from the players and the little, you know, tidbits that we saw, the interviews... It seems like they're, you know, kind of mad that they weren't invited to the, the bubble. And then I feel like that's just energy that will feed on for them throughout this entire 2020-2021 season. Yeah, I just thought that was the key takeaway there. Um, mainly just the Cavs having to adapt and make sure that guys are still doing what they have to do um, to work on player development and um, keep themselves in shape. Yeah, well, like I said, that'll be coming all throughout this entire season, so we'll probably continue to keep track with that 
as it continues. I'm not sure how often they'll be uploading episodes of that, but like I said, it's it's something. It's a little bit of Cavs content, so you can't complain about that. We'll move on here into some, I guess the trade topic of the day last time was Kevin Love with you, Dan. And today it's Andre Drummond. We have a few Andre Drummond trades that we're looking at here, just some stuff that's kind of been talked about among basketball Twitter, NBA Twitter. We'll start with this first one that is Drummond to Golden State for Andrew Wiggins and a 2021 first-round pick, not this 2020 first-round pick that's number two overall. Uh, Dan, do you want to start with just kind of some thoughts on that? Yeah, it was Evan Damrell kind of suggested it. It was essentially, yeah, Drummond for Andrew Wiggins and Warriors 2021 um, first-rounder. Um, I, I can understand exactly where he's coming from. Um, it, it's the 2021 ones are probably more what you're looking at. Um, that could, there's, there's more franchise level players there, but you figure it's Golden State's pick 21 pick next year. Honestly, I don't really value that too highly. Um, even though it is a, a loaded draft for them looking at their lance or outlook next year. They should be a contender once again, right back in the thick of it. So I don't frankly value that a whole lot. And I, I understand Drummond, it, you kind of would be looking at taking what you can get. But it, at the same time, Andrew Wiggins is is not not a guy that I'd, I'd be wanting to bring back. Um, I get that the Cavs are probably not big free agency players really anytime soon, but... I just think with Wiggins, that's a guy that's frankly a ball stopper. He's a very, still is a very inefficient player by and large um, throughout his career. Is about as rough of a defensive wing as you can get. Really has not developed there. I don't blame him in, in, all the way. I mean, in Minnesota, they haven't really figured out defense for a while either. But, I mean, vast majority of his career at this point. So, that's not all on him. But the basketball IQ standpoint, just I just would see being a train wreck. I'm kind of with you there. And we've heard some people kind of talk about how, you know, maybe when he's with Steph and Clay next year and Draymond, that he'll maybe kind of be able to fit into that system better than the, the situation that he was in with Minnesota. Amadou, do you think that the situation, the current situation in Cleveland – would be a better situation for Wiggins than Minnesota was? Mm, than Minnesota. Mm. Because in Minnesota, he was a second option. You could say he was a third option when Jimmy Bella was there. But for most of his time there, he was a second option. It seemed like towards the end, you know, the Wolves really tried to get him more and more involved in the offense. There were times where he ran, they ran him at point guard and such. Ryan Saunders was really good at that. Excuse me. Yeah, Ryan Saunders, excuse me. But in Cleveland, where we already have our young group of guys established, that just be another guy who is going to need the ball to score, isn't efficient, um, and cannot defend, like Dan has said. I think this is a tough question. I think just for his production, Andrew Wiggins' production, I feel like you know the Wolves would have been a better situation just for the simple fact that he is a guy who needs the ball in his hands to succeed and on Cleveland. I don't think he'll have the ball in his hands a whole lot. I mean, it could maybe end up that way, but I, I just don't think so. 
But just talking about the trade overall, it's just I, I just don't like it because I feel like if the Cavs were really looking to get rid of Andre Drummond, is it worth it to take on three more years of uh, Andrew Wiggins and a, a late round pick? I, I just I just don't think so. Yeah, you got to keep in mind that this is next year's Warriors pick. It's it isn't a great draft, but it's not going to be a super valuable pick. Wiggins is set to make over the next three years $29.5 million, $31.6 million, and $33.6 million. Keep in mind that on this roster, Kevin Love is set to make over the next three years $31.5, $31.5, and $28.9. That's committing about half of your salary cap space to Andrew Love, or Andrew Love, Andrew Wiggins, and Kevin Love. Again, an older Kevin Love and Andrew Wiggins with about any hope or promise being squeezed out of him at this point. I don't think – I think Wiggins basically is what he is. Again, maybe in a situation like Golden State, you know, maybe he can fill a complementary role there better. But on a team that does not have any sort of defensive foundation like Cleveland, again, I think he's going to be a mess there. And I don't know. I, I don't think he's he's not going to help anybody else. You know, he's he's – just going to kind of go out and get his and like we said not do it efficiently just not something I'm a fan of um, I think when you talk a little bit about you know Kevin Love maybe for Andrew Wiggins maybe that's something that you consider a little bit more solely for the fact that you're not going to have to deal with both of their contracts you know just having one of them I think would be more understandable but even for a, a place like Cleveland that's not a top you know, free agent destination. Having cap space is still a valuable thing. You know, having the ability to take all smaller bad contracts than the Wiggins contract and get back assets, and just you know, for you know, short term salary dumps for teams looking to shed money, and you can get a pick. That's the type of thing I think they should be looking to do with cap space, not take on three years of max Andrew Wiggins with Love on the roster. Yeah, and it also tied into that, the other reason why I'm so anti-Wiggins is you're, we're going to have to, well, I would assume the Cavs are going to look to extend Colin Sexton, I would think, after next offseason. So you, you got to factor that in as well. And and then who knows from there, maybe there's a Porter Jr. extension, maybe he's the next one lined up looking onward. But... It, yeah, three years, three more years of Wiggins. That's. I, I think at this point, if you're going to have, like, as you were alluding to with Kevin Love there, I would much rather have. I, I understand he's not the same player he once was nearly, but I'd rather have Kevin Love if it's kind of between the two, just given the infrastructure already in place, kind of with him in an emerging leadership role. And. He, if I understand again, he's not an all star like he used to be, but Andrew Wiggins, frankly, I think at this point is, I mean, he is what he is. He's a, a volume scorer, I guess you could say. But to me, I think at this point, I think it'd be actually better for a team, whoever, whoever it is, whether it's Golden State or whoever, honestly, to have him in actually kind of like a bench role where he can just be a bench bucket getter. I think at this point, that's. His best, I mean, he's not going to ever be that given his salary, but I think it's honestly like a Gordon Hayward situation with him. I think he's 
in an ideal sense, should be a bench player. And the Cavs, obviously, he wouldn't be one. But I I just – Wiggins, I am – like, we don't need any more – significant minus defenders on this roster, so. No, especially not someone who's going to take as many shots as Wiggins does. Right, he'll get he'll get 20, but he'll go 7 of 20 from the field regularly, and that's going to stunt the growth of, of other young pieces. Well, speaking of Gordon Hayward, we'll move on to that trade now, uh, one that we were kind of touching on, and I think maybe me and Dan, we've touched on this in the past, too. We did an Andre Drummond episode a while back, but worth revisiting... Drummond to Boston for Hayward and a 2022 second round pick. Uh, looking at this trade, this is assuming that both Gordon Hayward and Andre Drummond pick up their player options. Obviously, we know what Andre's is. Gordon Hayward's is at about, I think it's $34.2 million. Yeah, that sounds so, right. So, the Celtics. Maybe. Yeah. The Celtics, like that. the Celtics in this trade could save about. Five and a half million dollars in salary, and you know that would be more so with you know their luxury tax complications. But does Boston really value Drummond that much more than Hayward? Go ahead, Amadou, if you want to take it. Um, I don't think so because you already have Dice, who you know he plays his role well. You also have Time Lord Robert Williams, who he's growing. You know he's um he's reaching his peak at this point. They also have Ennis Cantor. I feel like their central rotation, I feel like it's not as bad as people, you know, make it out to be. Like, they they don't have to, you know, really go out there and look for a center. I feel like with what they have now, they can still be successful. And for a guy like Andre Drummond, who we saw a lot sometimes on Cavs, he's a guy who, you know, wants the ball in his hands. So he would kind of take away from Tatum and Brown and Kemba. Defensively, he just does not perform well for a center. I mean, you know, he, he can defend, of course, but... He's probably not as good as a run protector as you may want him to be. I just, I, I don't think so. I don't think they value him more than they do Hayward, considering also that Hayward already has that chemistry established with Tatum, with Brown. He's been with them for, I think this is their third season together now, if I'm correct, I believe. Yeah, this is their third season. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I would just say no. Dan, how do you feel on this one? I'm actually going to disagree there. I, I just think with Hayward, he's he, he had a good year this year, and I, and I honestly really like Gordon Hayward a lot more than most. Um, just a really heady, heady player, very good passer, um, has a really nice mid-range game, good pull-up shooter, um, moves about the ball well, does a lot of things well. He's a heady defender as well. But I just think for them, I I, I get Time Lord can play. Um, he's he's shown flashes uh, of rim protection. Um, he's an energy big. He's a good roller. Um, set sets good screens also, um, and I don't want to discount that. And, and Tice is is a guy that has really come on for them. He's he's a, a really nice piece to have. But I just think with Cantor, he looks like he's probably going to be a guy they really look to trade. I mean, signing trades are a little bit complicated now, but they could figure it out. Um, and he just, Cantor barely, just frankly is like a bench interior scorer and roller and like put back guy. So those, I mean, he's, he's a, an elite rebounder when he's on the floor. I mean, he gets every, every damn rebound. But to me, I understand Dr- Andre Drummond defensively is not, is not nearly the rim protector or hasn't been that you'd think he would have been. 
Um, but he is uh, has good defensive instincts on the interior. He he rotates in that way well. Um, and uh, steals are not necessarily not like an end all be all, but. I mean, he does get a good chunk of those, and I just think for them, I think it's a good kind of gamble in a way, um, just because they do they don't really need Hayward a ton right now anymore, and they could kind of manufacture that production in a way um, it is kind of like a rotational wing three four when in, when needed, and I just think with them, they teams do in the playoffs like. Andre Drummond could really pay off for them. And I just think defensively, we haven't seen Drummond in... I understand the metrics haven't been great advance-wise, but we haven't really seen him on a contender in his career. And I just think on Boston, I think it's a worthy gamble to go for him. And like you said, they'd be saving cap, um, luxury tax issues, yada, yada. Um, I just think for them... He specifically is a, a, such a just an ideal target, um, just because we haven't again seen we maybe haven't seen full buy in from him defensively, and with the defenders they have in store, I think he would mesh very well because he could just kind of um, offensively if you if you kind of have him buy him a little bit more and is a rim uh, rim roller screener dunker guy um, and elite rebounder as he always is. I think for them it's a kind of worth a gamble. I'm kind of torn on this one. I'm kind of leaning more towards just thinking from Boston's perspective. I think they really like Hayward, you know, even with their deep wing rotation. That just seems like somebody who they really like. And he does bring a lot to the table. He's, you know, a good – he's a heady player. He's a good playmaker. He can score at all three levels. He should only be getting better. You know, he's dealt with a lot of injuries, you know, in the past few years. But I don't think they're all connected to each other. They're all kind of just separate little unlucky injuries. Looking at Drummond in Boston, well, while Boston doesn't have the best center rotation, they do have a lot of centers on their roster already with, like we said, they have Tice, they have Poirier, they have Time Lord, and they have Ennis Cantor. I'm assuming Ennis Cantor's probably going to pick up his option. I don't know why he wouldn't, unless he just really wanted to get out of Boston. But... Having four centers already on the roster who really can't play, you know, anywhere other than center, you're going to have to look to make some moves to kind of just clear up the roster spot because you just you don't want five true centers on your roster. That's just too many. Whereas Gordon Hayward, you know, kind of fit in and play anywhere two through four really. So if if you feel like you have you know a plan to get out of you know some of those other guys, which a guy like Poirier, you can attach a pick to and probably dump him somewhere. Yeah, that's but, kind of the idea, eventually. Yeah. But they, they do need to have another plan in place if that were to happen. How do you like the Gordon Hayward fit in Cleveland, Amadou? Um, well, I think he slides right in there at that uh, three position. Again, I think the role, I don't want to say it would be similar in Boston. You know, He wouldn't be asked to do very much. I mean, if he can come and give us 14 to 16 points on... Pretty good efficiencies, you know, early on before his hand injury in Boston, you know, he was actually pretty efficient. Um, That was around early before, I would say before December, I believe that's when he had his hand injury. But I think so. He's efficient. Yeah, he's efficient. Um, He works well off the ball and on the ball. And, um, you know, now in offseason to, you know, rehab, 
from his multi- multiple injuries he had this season. Potentially provide us with some defense, maybe, uh, on the perimeter. Uh, he's a veteran, so, you know, he brings that veteran presence, of course. Um, I think it'd be a good fit. You know, it'd probably be an awkward one, considering that he doesn't fit our timeline. But overall, a good fit. Um, and I actually want to talk about that a little bit, the timeline. I just want to, like, what would that mean for the Cavs? Would that mean the Cavs would maybe look to more towards win-now mode rather than rebuild? Because you'd have him, you'd have Kevin Love, and there's always a potential that you could re-sign uh, Tristan Thompson. It's a very veteran-heavy back uh, front court, excuse me. And then you still have a 20-point-per-game score and uh, Colin Sexton. You know, it's just an interesting topic, that one, too. But overall, I think the fit would be – I think it would be pretty good. It is an interesting topic. I think that looking at a lineup like that, you know, Darius Garland, assuming that he can get better, and then Sexton, Hayward, Love, we'll say Thompson, that's not a bad lineup. That's really not. And I think for a team that is at least going to try to go out and compete next year, that, you know, that's something that – you, know, you, can, you can throw that lineup out there, and I think that lineup can be competitive. Now, when the Cavs get into depth, you know, that might be a different story. But, you know, if they figure that they don't want to stick with Gordon, this is the last year on his deal. Um, he is making a lot of money, but if he, if he really doesn't work out, you could try to trade him at the deadline. You know, he is making a lot of money, so that might not work out, you know, too easily. But it wouldn't be like you'd be committing yourself to Gordon Hayward forever it'd just be for this season to see how things turn out anything before we get to the final trade for Andre Drummond no it's I think we're, we're straight all right well we'll get into the last one this is Dan's favorite um Andre Drummond to the Clippers for Ivica Zubats, Patrick Beverly and Rodney Magruder Dan do you want to take it away on this one yeah, I mean, it was suggested by NBA Analysis Network, and I used to do stuff with them. Good good people over there um, love their stuff, but that one is just – I don't know where – why the Clippers would do that in any way. Um, at this point, Zubats is a, a better player than Drummond, objectively. Uh, more mobile, he has some mid-range game. Um is a legitimate rim protector. I understand he fouls a hell of a lot, but um, I, I just, that in itself, I, I really don't get why they would do that in any way at all. Um, just right there. Um, and I, I guess Pat Bev is fine. I, I don't know what kind of buy. I, I mean, I like Pat Bev. I'm not saying any ill will toward him in any way either, but I don't know what kind of buy-in you'd be getting from Pat Bev in that scenario in Cleveland, I, I don't know where he'd fit in um, given the guard situation. Um, offensively, he's pretty much a catch-and-shoot guy. I don't know how many of those opportunities as as much he'd get here because, I mean, he's not a guy you can really be playing at the two. Um, and he's not really a guy I'd want taking minutes away from the young guys, um, young point guard types and or KPJ at the one. I, I'd pass on that. Um and again, I don't for the Clippers, he fits in well if they want to do. Um, they're they're not gonna get rid of him. And Rodney Magruder is a decent perimeter defender, I'd say above average, plays really hard, but offensively is yuck. Um so yeah, I I, just, I don't know why the hell the Clippers would entertain that at all. I think the only real thing that, you know, I guess the mindset here for the Clippers I'm going to try is 
to defend the Lakers, but I, I don't. Yeah, but I don't. But I see think Zubats what, can do that as well. But yeah, he's he's more be, mobile for them. I, I don't understand that one. I guess it's just what it would be going for a name, you know, just to if 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 Balmer or whoever just says, you know, oh look, it's Andre Drummond, All Star Center, go get him. Maybe you know that's your argument. Maybe they don't like the Pat Beverly contract. He's owed two years and twenty seven million left. Um, if you're gonna look to you know re-sign Marcus Morris or Montrez this offseason, then maybe that's the money you want to get off of. And obviously, at that point, you just have to include Magruder for salary matching purposes. But Zubats has another; he's another player with you know two years under contract at a reasonable price. He's 23 years old. That would be a steal for Cleveland to get Ivica Zubats out of Andre Drummond. Oh yeah, so I'd be all all for that, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you with Magruder. He's somebody who's going to play hard. Um, his shot kind of abandoned him this year. But Pat Bev, again, you know, like he can kind of set that culture of just grittiness. I think he just the way he's played his entire career, I think he would still buy in in a Cleveland-type setting. How he fits into the rotation, I don't know if he sort him over Garland. It's probably the right move, but whether they would actually do that or not, yeah. Overall, yeah, if if this was something that the Clippers were interested in, I'd be all over it. Again, if you could get a legitimate young player out of Andre Drummond, then you're all over it. But any thoughts on that, Amadou? Um, personally, I, I'm just not that high on Zubak, personally. Um, Zubak over Drummond, though, is a, is a, a hot take. Wow. Um, but I don't know. I... I Personally, I don't see the point for the Clippers to do something like this. I mean, Patrick Beverly is their defensive point guard. And on the Cavs, again, I just don't think he'd want to stay there. I, you know, I just don't think so. So we'd probably look to move him again. Maybe if we were able to, you know, sneak like a Mufandu Cabin Galley into there, I might consider it. But I, I, I don't know. I don't think this is something that I'd, I'd look to do. Really? Oh, so on. So we'll have a quick discussion here. I think it's debatable. I think, you know... Drummond's better at certain things. Zubats is better at certain things. But, like I said, I, I'm probably in the camp of Drummond is the slightly better overall player. But I don't think it's a wide margin. And at the price range and the age of Zubats, I'm all over that deal. That's the thing. If, if their contracts were similar, would you take Zubak over Drummond? Well, what's the contract? I, or just, I guess, anything? Well, I, I guess, I'd, I'd yeah, probably like, say- take. Yeah, think, just anything. What were you saying, Dan? No, I was just going to let Amadou go. Yeah. And then? I don't know. Defensively, yeah. Zubak does bring it defensively. I like that. He, you know, fits the team. They're, they're sort of, what's the word? They're their group. But right now, I think I'm still taking Drummond over him. I feel like, you know, Zubak could potentially overtake him as, you know, he gets more and more uh, playing time, his, reaches his potential. But... I don't know. Drummond, you know, he's. I think he's a better rebounder. Um, he's a better scorer. He's definitely a better rebounder. Yes, definitely. Better scorer, better playmaker. You can say Zubak is the better rim protector, but how how much of a better rim protector is Zubak than him? I, I'd I say yeah. considerably better. Considerably. But mm. you look at, you know, the offensive end of the floor, you know, Andre's more talented, but he also wants to yeah. do so much more. I think yeah. you can get Zubak to buy into a role easier than you can Drummond. 
I don't know. It's it's an interesting one. I, here's another thing with with Zubats. I the other thing about it is if you look at it often, Doc Rivers' bigs and his especially fives, he's never really embraced allowing bigs to shoot like legitimately try to space the floor. And Zubats never even really like got that opportunity at all. And I think now without Rivers in there, I think we'll actually see him really end up being a floor, a floor spacer because he has very good touch in the mid in the mid range area and really shoots well in short rolls from about 15, 16 feet. We just, he just didn't have a, a ton of volume in that, but I just think with Drummond, it, you just never, it's it, yes. The baseline stats will always look decent and that's fine. And he's, he's improved in the low post. He's a better finisher now than he used to be. He has a little bit of touch. But outside of eight feet, he is nothing, like zero. And I just think, Drummond, are we really going to get the real buy-in? I just don't know how long that's going to last. And I just think with Zubats, he's a guy you can kind of mold more mentally. And at this point, what is is Drummond ever going to be anything more than he is now? No. Like this, I'm sorry, but he's not. Like this is his He's going to keep trying. He's going to keep trying. And the problem is he's not, it doesn't seem like self-aware enough to not, like you see him tweeting out image, like, like clips of him making one three <laughs> against I the Clippers when we lost by, <laughs> I believe, like 45 points in the game. So that is not the kind of guy, like, like Zubats is is just you know what you're gonna get, and I, I'm not I don't want to like discount Andre. I mean he's had a good career, he's carved out a nice career, but I, I believe he was a number one overall pick, and that has not been close. I, I mean people saying he's a two time All Star, okay, fine, but what is the guy has the guy contributed to winning in his career? I, I don't think so. Yeah. And I just feel like going forward, Zubats has the type of, I think, arrow pointing up as a shooter, I think. And honestly, he's a very polished post player, too. Um, And I just think all-encompassing, the rim protection ability, um, good instincts. I just think he uh, is – I just think he'll have a better career in in today's league. Maybe maybe 15 years ago, not. But – He's he's pretty physical in his own right too. Real well, quick, then, did you say that Drummond was the first overall pick? You know what? No, I'm sorry. No, no, no. He was like a ninth pick. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, wrong. He was ninth. Yeah, ninth. He was ninth. I'm sorry. It was ninth. Yeah. But uh, the point is, the point stands. I, the point stands. The point is, the saying Drummond is an All Star center. It, it, I'm sorry, is just hogwash. Like he is not going to be an all-star center again. Like, that's that's not going to happen. And, like, that's like saying Kevin Love's an all-star big. He's never going to be an all-star big again. I'm sorry, he hasn't been an all-star big in four years. I mean, really big. I believe he was in 17-18. Maybe Drummond was, too, then. But he is nowhere close to the player that he once was. And the same, like, Drummond is just, is not that kind of guy. And I feel like, is Zubats going to be? No, probably not. But it's just like for today's league, he, I think he'll end up being a far more valuable player going forward. I do think Zubats is one of the more underrated players in the league. You know, just looking at you know the general view of him, 
He, I mean, that dude is a legit rim protector. He's a legit starting center. So the, Lake, the Lakers gave him away for like a loaf of bread. I, I never understood. Oh, they that. gave him away for uh, Mike Muscala. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry, Mike yeah. Muscala. Yeah, where the hell? Was, where the hell is Mike Muscala now? Okay, the point see. you made, Dan, is actually is very interesting. Like Doc has never, you know, utilized that center to be a shooter. Like you Look said, at, and well, like, yeah. Well, I'm sorry, but Blake Griffin has blossomed as like an like a honestly like an inside and outside presence yeah. ever since he's been away from. Him. So I'm sorry, just go ahead. But yeah, the points you made, yeah, they were solid. Zubak was, you know, you could see he was underutilized and or has been. He's still with the team. Uh, I don't know why, you know, just Doc Rivers has his love for Montrose Hill. Montrose is great and all, but you know, I, I like you. You could say you'd like to see more Zubak play. Run protector, yes. But my question is, you know, he's doing great things for the Clippers, who have an amazing defensive team. You know, you have Patrick Beverly, Kawhi, oh, yeah. Paul George. That's fair. Do you think, yeah, do you think that same production will be replicated on the Cavaliers where, you know, he's going to have, you know, Kevin Love on a perimeter sometimes, you know, Darius Garland, you know, not so good defenders? That's that's an excellent question right there. Um, I, I think if if the Cavs can plug in a wing, um, say like a v- Devin Vassell or Okoro, some somebody like that, or even Denny Avdia to play the four, I think would fill in there a good amount. Um, looking onward, and or maybe uh, a guy like Precious Achua to play the four with him. Yes, I, I think he. I think. I think you'd be getting a um, similar clip, at least for 36, um, in, in terms of rim protection. And it's not just like blocks. It's, I think he really – honestly, he got called for a number of fouls that seemed like they were kind of BS um, in the playoffs, for example. The guy plays with verticality. Um, and it's just – it's too bad because Drummond has a seven foot six wingspan, which is an enormous wingspan. But he just doesn't seem like he uses it and to play with verticality well. Like he uses it in the passing lanes well, and honestly has more mobility in that way. It seems than Zubats, who is pretty. Uh, but I just think he he drops and pick and roll better than Drummond has historically. Um, it, he just seems like he to me. I, I think would help a, a number of pieces, and I think. If you plug in Larry Nance alongside him, um, a, a good amount. I think Kevin Porter Jr., honestly, I, I, I'm i buying him as a defender going forward. I, I just think if he can defend ones and twos more, I think he's, he'll be a plus defender. So, yeah, Darius Garland, no. I mean, we, we know that. The guy's defense is going to be his offense going forward, and we'll have to see on that. But I just think with Drummond, he's just – he's he can guard fives – within about six feet of the basket and is bought in to do that. And that's it. And very good ones give him problems is the other issue. So, well, I'm not going to lie. You have kind of, you know, pushed me along onto the Zubak hype train. I, I, I see. <laughs> yeah. I, I see. Yeah. I see exactly what you're talking about. Rim protection. He does bring that. Um, he has, you know, the pick and roll ability to, if, you know, we know Darius Garland, he loves that pick and roll and he's young. So, I would have to change my answer then. I would, I would honestly do that trade, yeah. I would definitely do that. I feel like, you know, McGruger and Beverly are throw-ins, and then you can definitely get another piece for Beverly. But, yeah, okay. I, I see the vision on the trade. McGruger yeah. has 
Go ahead, Dan. Dan. No, no, I was going to say, Magruder, Magruder has one year left at $5.7 million, and then a non-guarantee after that. So that would literally just be salary filler. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I, we're on board, I think, collectively. But again, not to hate on NBA Analysis Network, but... I don't think the Clippers no do that. No way in. <laughs> That's that. No way in. So like, They're just, doing that. Yeah. And I All think right, they well, we got to move on to, you know... Get Zubak, I'm yeah. but yeah. Yeah. We're going to move on here. We got a couple draft prospects to talk about. Um, just kind of looking at if the Cavaliers were to buy you know, the, the rumors that, you know, some teams may be willing to sell their first round pick just to cut costs. So say the Cavaliers are looking to buy one of those late first rounders. We got three guys here. I think this was also highlighted by Damarol, wasn't it, Dan? It was, yeah. Uh, three different prospects that the Cavaliers could potentially look at. So we'll just start with one who we just mentioned a moment ago, Precious Achua, a 6'9", we'll just say big man, more kind of a power forward you get out of Memphis. Just kind of an energy big. He is undersized. You know, I think the hope is that he can play some small ball five for you. Um, has a chance to be an impact defender right away, but is just so raw on offense. Um, Amadou, what are your thoughts on Precious? Well... I would love that. For a late-round pick, I would love Precious. Again, the Cavs, they really need defense. And, of course, he brings that offensively on the Cavaliers. You know, he could potentially, you know, improve as a catch-and-shooter. He's athletic. um, So, you know, good for slashing, for if he's in the pick-and-roll. You can kind of compare him to, like, a a Jeremy Grant off the Nuggets, kind of, you know. That's a comparison uh, that I've defense. seen, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so bringing that defense... And then offensively, you know, he's not asked to do too much, but he still, you know, offensively does things at a relatively decent level, if, if I said that correctly. But, yeah, I, I'd love that pick 100%. 100%. Dan, any thoughts on Precious? No, I mean, Amadou hit it on the head there. Um, it, he's a guy that, yeah, you look at is is more so a 4-5. Um, and the hope is he can at least become a – Maybe a near league average catch and shoot guy, maybe in the 34, 35 range um, from three. But even if that's not necessarily the case, I would imagine he'd be streaky anyhow. But um, just a really, it could be an impact guy. And I just think if, if the Cavs, honestly, I think if the Cavs really are looking to move love down the road, I think he's more so the guy that could potentially develop into a, spe- a stretch big, um, maybe that long-term four replacement instead of Obi Toppin, which I'm not going to get into. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I'll start off by saying I don't like the name Precious. I mean, it's not his fault he was named that, but... I like it. Uh, you like the name Precious? It's got swagger. I like it. I feel like... I guess. I, it's, I it's, feel like- it's marketable. It is probably marketable, but you you look at Precious as a player, again, he's kind of undersized. Well, he is undersized. I think the hope for him is that, you know, you could throw him in small ball lineups just because I don't know if I'm sold on his shot being a real thing. I think, you know, that's going to be a really important development for his game, you know, especially if he is going to play most of his time at the four. I don't know if he's ever going to really be a starting level player. I see him just more as a kind of just switchy big off the bench that, you know, isn't really going to give you very much on offense. Again, there's that, that catch-and-shoot potential. 
with him. I just, I'm not sure if he's going to get that. And I also am not sure if, you know, the Cavs are buying a late first. I'm not sure if he's going to be on the board at the end of yeah, the first round. I mean, I'm not yeah. super high on him, but the general consensus seems that he's going to go like late lottery to like right outside the lottery. That's why I said for so, like a late a late rounder. Of course, I would 100 percent take him. Yeah, maybe maybe then. Yeah, I just I kind of look at Miami maybe as one at 20 potentially, um, given the Giannis rumors. But um, I, I don't know. It's it, I, he does have, I mean, he is raw offensively. I, I could see him maybe being there at like 23, 24, somewhere in there. Um, There's a I, chance. Yeah, but again, I, am I saying he's a starter? No. I, he's got a ways to go before that. But I just think we're being around Kevin Love, be, looking at how Larry Nance Jr. Um, has blossomed into a, a real viable catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. Um, I, I just think there's – Pieces could be pieces around him to be, kind of bring that along gradually. Yeah, maybe you're right. We'll move on here to Tyrell Terry, a six-one guard out of Stanford, a uh, high-level shooter, um, potential to really be a really good pick-and-roll scorer, um, a solid decision maker, good passer, smart team defender. The thing with him is just kind of his frame. He might get overwhelmed in the NBA. I feel like on defense. Um, a decent athlete, but overall just, again, just kind of a smaller guard who's really going to rely on his, you know, shooting ability. Does this remind either of you of anybody on the Cavs already? Yeah. Person that wears number 10, huh? I mean, small frame. Do we want another small frame point guard? I, I would think he'd be a backup, of course. And, you know, the Cavs well, yeah, aren't for sure. that. Yeah, but um, you know, I've I've written about him in you know many articles. I'd much rather have Malachi Flynn over uh Tyler Terrell. I mean, excuse me, uh Terrell Terry. His name is kind of a tongue twister right there. Uh, I mean, yeah, as a backup, sure, I'll, I'll be for it. But that wouldn't be my first pick for a backup point guard with the late round pick. I know the Cavs also interviewed him. At the like for the combine, I'm not sure how that interview went, but I know that it's, it's obviously somebody that the Cavaliers are somewhat looking at. Dan, how do you like Darius Garland? I mean Tyrell Terry. <laughs> um, yeah, it, he's he's going to be a big time shooter. I, I, like that's I think that's pretty clear. I, I think he's got that ability. Um, it, and is a good passer too. Um, he he can make a lot of reads for you. Um, he can run offense as well. Um, I, I think we'll see him off ball. I think he can be a real um, relocation guy too. Um, has a quick release. He, he's 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 going to be a hell of a shooter when he's out there. But is he is he going to be Trey Young? No. So um, doesn't have that nearly that level. I mean, obviously that's elite elite level passing. But yeah, for the Cavs, no, that's that's not a guy I'd want. I, I can understand if if Delhi were not. To come back, um, that's they're looking down the road. That a guy they can kind of groom as well, uh, maybe push Darius. But defensively, it, we're, he's just gonna he's gonna struggle. And for the Cavs, may, in, in other situations, he could be passable or at least somewhat competent. Um, maybe to like a a guy like the Sixers might look at potentially. Um, who, who, that they could kind of match alongside Matisse Thibel in lineups, um, maybe down the road. Um, but for the Cavs with their 
lack of wing defenders, at least on the current roster right now. Um, not not a whole lot of rim protection around him. I just that that wouldn't really do much for me. Um, but yeah, it is Amadou hit on Malachi Flynn is a is a, a guy that is probably would translate better. Um, one of those kind of older rookie types just knows how to play. Um, high level pick and roll guy. Not that I don't want to knock Terry in that way, but you don't see the passing out of that situation nearly as natural. Um, that comes more from experience too. But yeah, I just think for the Cavs, it, it's it's defense, defense, defense. Um, first, second, third. Yeah. Well, we'll move on to our last guy here. 6'5 guard Desmond Bain out of TCU. This is somebody who I really like. Um, another high-level shooter. He has kind of an unorthodox shot, which is, I guess, slightly alarming, but not too big of a red flag. Um, a high IQ player who, you know, makes the right read in the both on both ends of the floor. And I think, especially on defense, that kind of makes up for some of his athletic limitations. And while he is kind of a limited athlete, he is kind of like, he's kind of one of those tank like guys where he is, he is really, really strong. And I think that'll help give him some versatility on defense. Um, I, like I said, I like his ability to play both on and off the ball and being one of the older players in the draft at 22 years old, you know, you, you hope he can kind of be a plug and play type of guy who would just kind of help round out, that guard rotation, and again, bring some defensive chops along with them. Dan, we'll start with you on this one. Yeah, it, he's, again, another high-level shooter. Um, really good off-the-dribble shooter. Um, it, we, we saw that more and more in his, his past two seasons. Um, and, and as you said, he's, he's definitely, I mean, he's built like a, like a truck. So that I think that... A little bit. I think he he could be able to if he's at the two. Um, I think he could actually kind of take advantage of some maybe less physical guards in some situations uh, in that way. Um, but uh, yeah, it, he's a guy that I could live with as is a guy you're looking at. Um, and I think that going forward, he's kind of a guy you you look at to kind of maybe um, replace Dante Exum down the road, who is. Realistically, is probably an expiring trade piece. Um, I, I think that's a guy who could. And, and Bain's a high IQ player, as as you touched on. Um, and, and defensively, he's smart. He's intelligent. Um, he'll he'll get in there. He's tough. So yeah, I, I, that's a guy. I mean, I, I'm not necessarily in love with him, but his you can in today's league. I mean, admittedly, you can never have enough shooting. So um, and, and he's got some size. It's not like it's I wouldn't say necessarily a weakness for him. Um, I think you could put him at the out at the three in some lineups and, and just kind of get him out there, see what you have with him. Um, that, that's that, that'd be an understandable move if they went with him. I'm gonna wrap it up with your thoughts. Um, yeah, you guys would be just said anything. Six five. He's a shooter, like a very very good shooter. You did say he has an unorthodox shot, but I mean, if it goes in, it goes in. Um, I think he'll be really like you know successful in those lineups with maybe KPJ at the point guard if you want to run KPJ Bain and then. Dylan Windler could be your backcourt, your, your one through three, um, having D-Win and then Bain at the hashes or in the corners or something would be, you know, with the five-out type of offense. But again, you know, he is 6'5". He has good IQ and he has potential maybe as a secondary tertiary playmaker-ish 
Um, but he is 24. So I don't know how much growing he can do in the league. But for a late round pick, yeah, I, I definitely like the pick of Desmond Bain. Did I say that Desmond Bain was 22? Is he 22 or is he 24? I, I think maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I think that was my mistake. No or it, it is might he 22 or 24? Um, he is, oh, he's 22. I don't know why I said 24. He's 22. He's older. Yeah, he's, oh, he's yeah, an older he, He's an older We know that. Pick. Yeah. Yeah. The point still stands. So, um, I guess we'll just wrap it up on, well, we have a little bit more to talk about, but just to wrap up the prospects here, who would be your go-to guy, Dan, of the three here? It's it's definitely a Chua just factoring the defensive end. I agree. I, I'm gonna for me too. Yeah, precious defense. You're gonna go with the Chua. I'm gonna go Bay yeah. out of the three. Mm, okay, that's fine. Okay, yeah. Uh, any any of those. Like, so I'm, I'm not as high on a, on a Chua. Yeah, yeah. It's, but it's we'll move on here to our, our last. Yeah, we'll move on here to our last little bit. Um. Just talking a little bit more about coaching updates. Obviously, we've been keeping track of Ty Lue and Mike Brown a little bit. Ty Lue is now set to interview in New Orleans. Um, I think Stan Van Gundy is the other candidate there. Obviously, we know that Ty Lue is also one of the favorites to get the Clippers job. He's interviewed for the Rockets job. It seemed like he was going to get the Clippers job for a little bit, but there are more candidates emerging every day, one of which being Mike Brown, who made a strong impression on the Clippers. It's looking more and more like we might get Mike Brown as a head coach again. Maybe not in Indiana, but maybe in L.A. Amadou, do you think Mike Brown would be a good fit for the Clippers? A better fit than Doc Rivers was? I mean, Mike Brown teams, you know, during those those mid to late Cavs teams were, you know, kind of defensive-oriented. You know, they did, of course, have defensive pieces. And, you know, I think they have the right pieces on the Clippers, too, as well. I think the Clippers, their problem is just, you know, gaining that chemistry and adding another playmaker or facilitator to, you know, take uh, off some offensive pressure away from Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Would it be a good fit? Personally, I feel like with the star power they have, any coach would be a good fit, you know, as long as they have a system in place that works. So for the sake of it being Mike Brown, I'll say, yeah, I think it would be a good fit. Dan, how you like Mike Brown in L.A.? I don't like Mike Brown anywhere. So, um, <laughs> if that kind of makes sense there. Uh, I just, I, I again, good for him that he's he's helped the Warriors defensively. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not going to put last year on him. That wasn't his fault at all. They're, they were, they had all that rash injuries. But what, for, like, I, I just, I really am, really don't understand the Mike Brown stuff at all. I mean, why, like, what what does he bring to the table? I mean, they they already have defensive pieces. They don't they need offensive coaching. Uh, by and large, I, I thought Lou he's a tactician offensively, very very good coach in that end. I thought he would really. I, I thought that was just like an easy incumbent move for them. I, I really don't understand that at all. Um, Mike seems like a really good guy. I don't want to discount him. He's carved out a nice career, but I just I'm sorry I don't I don't see the credentials there offensive coaching wise at all whatsoever. I don't. Alright, well actually I forgot we have one more little thing to talk about. Um I didn't write this down in my notes because it was kinda last second. But Iman Shumpert. Let me pull it up here. 
What was it? Iman Sumpert, Dan, you said I think he it was the 2016 Cavs over this 2020 Lakers team in five games. I believe so. I think well, I'll was, let you take it away on this to start. I, I think that was like an interview with Complex, I believe. Um, I, 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 I can't say it for certain, but I think he said in five games, and I don't think he said that pretty much said that it wouldn't be like a complete washout, but they'd kind of handle them. I, 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 that's kind of what I took from it. Um, I, I'm, I actually agree with him. I mean, I, I don't, maybe that this, that's, I don't know if that's hot takey, but I, I personally do. I just think with, um, Kyrie's bucket getting, that's, that's just the great equalizer in itself. I mean, the guy, I mean, back then, like, he it seemed like that was kind of at his peak, and he was just in such a zone. And, I mean, Kyle, I, I understand Rondo's a he, still a heady player. Um, he'd probably be on him a lot. But Kyrie was just the, the bucket getting from him. Is, I, I mean, Kyle Lowry, he, he gave gave buckets, and he's he's better defender at this point than Rajon Rondo. So um, I, I just think... And, and the Cavs had – their bigs were solid, too. Um, I mean, you had RJ, just a heady player. Um, I think he could kind of take Kuzma away, who – I mean, Kuzma's hit or miss anyway, but um, they had enough guys like Delhi could kind of cancel out Caruso then to an extent. Um, I just – like, they had the size. JR was, like, really good then um, in his role. I think he could kind of cancel out KCP, and honestly, I think he could give him buckets at the other end, too. Um, he could do a little bit off the dribble, even. Um, yeah, I just think the Cavs late in games, I mean, I guess, I don't know how you do the stuff with LeBron, hypothetical deal, but yeah. I mean, obviously <laughs> AD would get his, but like Tristan would, I, I think he'd really eat up Dwight Howard. I think he'd annihilate him personally yeah, back, back yeah. then when Tristan was fully himself health wise. And honestly, I mean, he didn't play much in the finals, but Mozgov in that you could throw him in there. Well, in the 2016 finals, Tristan played quite a bit, didn't he? Yeah. I that think was, that, was, was, that was his playoff run. Tristan was better. That than, was kind of when, well, he was good in 2015 too, but it, it's just, yeah. Before he got, I think 2017, 18 is when, or, or maybe it was the year falling when he started getting hurt. Yeah, I think, but yeah, his year with his year in the finals was kind of his best playoff run. I thought that was kind yeah, of just overall. I think, I think he like everything came together for him. Yeah. yeah, everything just came together for him. Overall, on this, well, I do think Tristan played great. I still think Anthony Davis is just going to demolish down there. Um, another kind of question here is: Do the do we count the Lakers having Avery Bradley in this situation or not? Too. But I I'm going to just way, go ahead like... and say no. I'm just going to go ahead and say no, Avery Bradley, but I would take the Cavs still. I don't know. And I think, I guess you got to expect Shumpert to have confidence in his own team, but I would not be surprised if that's a seven game series. I'd say with Avery or no Avery, I think Kyrie is still going to get his. I'd say Cavs in six, just because I feel like, you know, the Lakers will probably take two. LeBron will probably do LeBron things on both, you know, on both teams. Of course, <laughs> both I'll ends. Say Cavs, yeah, but Cavs in six is my guess. Dan, what was your final prediction there? <laughs> yeah, prediction, what do you think it would it's, be? It's Cav, Cavs and five. I'm with Shump there. Cavs and five? Yeah. And and honestly, Shump did his he, – he did some stuff too. I mean, he did his thing. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I just think 
The Cavs had enough like mix of the kind of hustle gritty guys. Yeah, Delhi still didn't doing it. Um, they they had some complimentary playmaking when they needed it. And I, with the Lakers, I mean, they, the Heat were frankly overmatched. I mean, with the injuries, whatever that wasn't. I mean, that was kind of outside their control. But I mean, the Cavs had the off movement shooters when they needed it, and and Tristan being where he was then. Um, kind of at his peak switchability, I guess you could say. Um, I, I just think they'd be able to just pull away in games. And again, Kyrie then was on a different. That was pl- prime Kyrie. Was on a different planet. So yeah, that's just the equalizer to me. All right. Well, uh, anything else from either of you before we get out of here? All right. I think we're gonna wrap it up there then. Uh, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed listening, subscribe, rate five stars, leave a nice review, do all that. And, um, yeah, we'll be back soon, so we'll see you then. Oh, uh, one last thing. One I'm, last thing. You know what? I do like Andre Drummond at tight end, though. Nice red zone threat. <laughs> I do uh, like outstanding that. red Amazing zone threat. Oh, my Lord. Red zone threat. Who's going to tackle him? I don't, I don't know, but that's it. All right. Well, on that note, we will see you later. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals. Visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.